Welcome back to the Charlotte Angel Connection, the Charlotte area podcast linking entrepreneurs, investors, and the broader Charlotte community. As you know, our goal here is to interview the individuals who are building, shaping, and influencing entrepreneurship in the Charlotte region so you can stay invested in Charlotte's growth. Last week, uh, as you'll remember, we had Eric Kirsch um, join us on the podcast. Eric uh, started off as a physician's assistant back in 2003, left, started his own um, practice, grew that to four offices, sold it, um, stayed home, helped raise kids for a little while, and then not too long ago got back into the ball game as far as entrepreneurship goes. Um, he's in the process of, um, of launching a, f- a first-time conference here in Charlotte on September 20th, um, which at the publishing of this will probably already be behind us. Um, it is the NC Healthcare Innovation Conference and certainly hope it's a success. Um, but he's continuing his entrepreneurial spirit. Um, and as, as I told Eric, I'd like to kind of start this one off or this podcast off with just a conversation of what Eric thought his life would be like as he was wrapping up school, where he thought he'd be today. Um, and then I also want to find out what Eric wants to be when he grows up. Um, as we kind of circle through that, we'll talk through a little bit more about the Charlotte um, startup scene, the Charlotte investing scene, how things are pulling together, how he gets incorporated into it, et cetera, et cetera. So, Eric, thanks for rejoining us on the show. Um, where did you think you'd be today when you were wrapping up school? What did you, I should not wear, what did you want to be today as you were wrapping up school? Uh well, I'd even like to back up one step. Uh, because take, it, take it all the way back if you need to. Sure, sure. You know, there's a few life-changing, you know, uh, pivots, if you will. And like I said, I was always an entrepreneur. I did well while I was in college running basketball leagues, uh, developing passive income. I actually took a pay cut to become a physician assistant. Okay. At least when I was employed, I did. Okay. Uh, and moved to Charlotte. Uh, but... At some point in your life, especially when you become more and more educated, you want to do something that you feel makes a difference. And initially, that difference was kind of one patient at a time, you know, um, fixing their problems and so forth. Uh, However, when you learn more about the industry, sometimes you feel like, well, you might be helping in one way, but hurting in others and so forth. Uh, Like, for example, the cost of healthcare and, and the cost for treatment for the patients who needed it and so forth. Uh, and I've done some other projects working for pharmaceutical companies and our companies, and some of them, I mean, they're all lucrative uh, and very interesting, but sometimes you didn't feel like it was really making a significant positive difference. And so the second time in my life when I had a major pivot was when I had kids, uh, because now everything I do, I want to do that has a meaningful uh, use or a meaningful difference that will carry not only through my lifetime, but maybe through theirs. Okay. So um, kind of change the world, right? Um, exactly. One person at a time. Um, so what does that mean? What does that mean you want to be when you grow up? That's a good question. I haven't really figured that one out yet. Yeah. I just do things that I find both interesting and spiritually satisfying. Um, so will you ever stop? 
Um, will you ever just kind of walk away and move to the move? To, I mean, quote unquote, buy an island and move to it, or are you constantly thinking you'll be involved in some way, shape, or form as an entrepreneur um, or as an investor helping entrepreneurs? I can't ever see myself retiring. I tried that once when I was young, yeah. and it didn't stick. Yeah. So, um, so you're you're kind of bitten by the bug, um, either being as active as an entrepreneur or being active as maybe at some point in time in the future as an active investor. Yes, uh, whether that means other companies that can make a meaningful difference or uh, creating nonprofits that make a difference, I feel like I always want to be involved and be relevant. What a so, I mean, you go back to the broader Charlotte community, right? Um, it's not necessarily a community that has fully embraced entrepreneurship. Um, it's not necessarily a community that's deep in um, funding capital for entrepreneurs. So for somebody that kind of wants to live and play in that space, how do you operate within Charlotte doing what you want to do or doing what you do do? Some of that, uh, I had to create solutions that didn't exist. Okay. For example, our society. Um, the Society of Physician Entrepreneurs. Yes. Having a chapter here. Exactly. So we had to start educating, you know, and bridging the gap between non-medical and medical mm-hmm. investors, entrepreneurs, and so forth. So some of that was creating resources that that I know I needed but would also be useful to everybody else uh, in this in this region so we've um we've got a number of and we've got the 2.5 million people here in charlotte um there's a couple of doctors probably as well um some of them have probably created their own degree of success um why aren't more doctors investors in this world uh, it's, there's you can actually trash talk yeah. if you need to. I'm fine with that. It's actually a loaded answer, um, and I could you know great. I love loaded yes. ones. <laughs> I mean, and, and probably gonna be better answered um, at our conference yeah. by the CEO who's giving our keynote speak and okay. gonna talk about obstacles for physician entrepreneurs, and that's everything from the amount of money they've already invested in their education okay. to how burden they are uh, by the amount of work to practice medicine yeah. to the lack of business education coming out of medical school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure there's more. Uh, but again, Arlen Mayers, the founder of uh, the Society of Physician Entrepreneurs, given our keynote, would probably have all the answers to that question. So um, again, go to Eventbrite, sign up for the event and come find out why, right? Yes, thank you. So, no, fair enough. So, um, I expect to be there at this stage in the ball game. Um, but so, if it's if it's not physicians that you're raising money for for the companies that you've started to spin up, or if it's not physicians that you're raising money from, um, where and Charlotte doesn't necessarily support um, a lot of startup opportunities, especially a lot of healthcare startup opportunities. Where are you turning? So that's, that's a great question, and I found that I've had to get very, very creative and um, negotiate differently. Yep. I don't go to VC firms and just pitch these companies. Uh, in fact, one company does have mostly physician investors. Okay. It required a lot of um, 
medical expertise in medical work. Mm-hmm. And basically for the next two years, I have multiple physicians offering services in kind for their share of the equity. Okay. And because of that, we need very little capital. Okay. And I've made all kinds of arrangements in, uh, up to date with anywhere with anybody from software engineers to marketing people to make my companies work mm-hmm. when we couldn't find the funding. Fair enough. Um, very, um, very interesting concept. Um, but you've raised physical money along the way for some of the adventures as well. Yes. Where have you gone for that? Uh, because most of mine are in angel to seed funding. Mm-hmm. We've gone to individual investors at this point. We do not have out of my three startups that have raised funds. Yep. None of them have gone to VCs at this point. Are you uh, finding that money? Are you finding those individual investors here in Charlotte? Or are you finding them um, in Raleigh, Southeast, North America? Where are you finding I, them? I've made it a point to try to find local investors, okay, but also street, strategic investors. And to date, although it was a lot of work, I've been able to accomplish that. How much different is running a startup like you're running um, now versus running the physician's practice that you set up a number of years ago? What's the difference in running a traditional medical company and a startup? Well, um, I consider my medical practice a startup because just like uh, the startups I do now, I had no background in, in running this type of business. I had no clue what to do, and I just learned by trial and error. The only thing I could control was the quality of the services I offered. Yeah. But all the other things associated with healthcare, from the billing and operations, I had to learn as I go along. So, um, I the main differences are um, the type of work I'm doing now uh, is more like developing the technology or developing marketing solutions. Um, and, and so forth. So it's just another avenue of learning. But uh, I feel like everything I've done today is a startup, and building the medical practices was just, uh, you know, a practice uh, for what I'm doing now. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but you code your own stuff, right? Or you can yeah. code? Do you still code any or no? No, um, you, you know, su- I, I worked a lot of nights in my own in my own practice, which was I built sleep labs. Yeah. And there's a lot of downtime at night, so that's how I learned how to code is, is between uh, hours when there was nothing going on, I would just open up the book and, and start learning. And so I learned very preliminary coding, which is almost obsolete now. Okay. So that being said, if you don't use it a lot, it's like a second language. You yeah. start to lose it. I still understand a lot of the design principles, and I can, I can design my own software, but I don't code. And... And to be honest, I see the future of coding as being fully autom- automatable anyways. Okay. Um, fair enough. Um, but um, from a technology development perspective, you are actually um, you are actually building technology concepts too. So are you currently hiring, hiring coding or coders or technology people? Where do you go for that information? So I, um, I learned how to do customer discovery the right way by being a part of VenturePrize uh, a year ago. Okay, so you did VenturePrize? Yep. And one of the other companies was actually a software company who built coding automation software. Okay. They actually, um, you know, we, 
we networked and we collaborated and now we have several projects going together. So I help with the translation of what, sometimes I build prototypes to test them out, mm -hmm. but ultimately I work with their coders and their developers to translate what is working in the business world and how to cr turn that into the technical product. Okay. Um, that company, is that a paid company or are they doing some of their work for equity or is it a little bit of both? A little bit of both. Again, it, sometimes we can't always raise the funds we need to and yeah. they're very interested in some of my ideas. So they've done some combination of equity um, for services. Talk to us a little bit about your experience with VentureProz. Um, great little um, uh, uh, opportunity here in Charlotte for folks to grab a hold of. So how did you stumble upon it? I mean, again, you've been resourceful over your years, right? So stumbling into VentureProz, you know, in our conversation a couple of weeks ago, I don't believe I remember you talking about that. So how did you stumble into it? What did it do? Uh, what can it do for others? Yeah, I, I, just like I don't remember how I got <laughs> connected into the entrepreneurial community, I just started coming to events. Yeah. And I started to come places like here at Packard Place. Um, I don't remember exactly how I got started in VentureProze, whether I found it and inquired or someone just came to me. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like those types of things are happening every day with me as people are starting to connect, yeah. and um, which is very exciting. And again, I think we need more of that with the healthcare professionals. Um, but however it started, you know, I got enrolled in it, and uh, I thought it was a great experience. It's something that, um, as a healthcare professional, I really didn't know anything about. And I think other healthcare professionals have a huge, you know, again, they have great ideas because they're in the trenches and they're very smart people. But they think that their opinions and their ideas are 100% correct, right? Yeah. And I did too. Yeah. And it, and, but you're biased because you're not the customer, even if what you're, you're building your idea around you, not everybody else. Yep. And so that's, again, the purpose of our society and a lot of things and customer discovery with VentureProze is to learn how to interview without bias yep. and so forth. So um, again, VentureProze is a really valuable, It's and it's not just learning how to do it, but also then presenting in front of other people and getting that feedback and, and learning how to shape your ideas as a collective. So really interesting. It's certainly, I mean, again, I think I mentioned it in our um, our phone conversation a couple weeks ago, I had my own startup, um, and I think it failed for several reasons, but I think one of the reasons, 100% uh, it failed, is because I was the expert, um, I knew everything that it needed to do, um, and so I built it around that, and as I got feedback, I dismissed it. Um, and so you're talking about a process for entrepreneurs that's extraordinarily important, but it's also important for investors to see, right? Talk a little bit about that customer discovery process that you use. Sure. Uh, it, whenever I pitch to investors, I always talk about a little bit about my background and my expertise, but I always make sure I talk about my customer discovery. Okay. Because really, that's where your expertise is. It's in, it's in the feedback from other people. Mm -hmm. An idea, you know, a, tr a truly good idea doesn't come from one person. It comes from an evolution of multiple uh, sources of input. Yeah. So um, you develop a product, you, um, you've got a concept. How fast do you start putting it in front of customers, potential customers? Immediately. 
I don't, I no longer believe, and this is again a huge problem in healthcare. There's this idea of build it and they will come. Let's, you know, let's throw up a huge office with lots of exam rooms and 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 just assume that it will be filled with patients. Um, and that's a mentality in healthcare mm-hmm. uh, that I've found. I've learned over the years, and a lot of times with my own medical practice, I learned how to eventually, you know, make sure I had patients lined up and referrals lined up before I open an office in a new location. Yeah. Because I felt the pain in my first location um, take six, 12 months to be cash flow positive. Yeah. So I take that approach with all my projects now is I'm selling right away because that will not only help me shape my idea to the customer, it will help me with my marketing and messaging and it ultimately leads to the go, no go decision. So I feel like you're always selling even if it's something that doesn't exist. Yeah. How do you get to the sell um, or to the um, go, no go decision, right? So you've, you've been a customer discovery, you have a concept, you start presenting it to customers, they start giving you feedback, you continue to build around that for a little while. Um, what's the ultimate uh, point for you? Do, you? do you ask them how much they'd be willing to pay? Um, do you just get enough feedback from um, hundreds of different potential customers that it just doesn't seem like it's going to work? Um, what allows you to trash something or put it on the fast track? Uh, for example, we have a company that is officially launching publicly next week. Okay. Uh, we actually formed the company two months ago, but it's a project I've been working on for about a year and a half. Okay. So, Can you talk a little bit about it? Sure, sure. Okay. So we created a, a solution to create basically transparency and choice in healthcare, okay. basically a free market. And we built a product so that employers could fund healthcare benefits for their employees. The employees can each customize their own healthcare plan, and all payments go directly to the doctors. Okay. So we eliminate third parties. We we eliminate all the lack of transparency. We significantly lower the cost of price of the cost of healthcare, while simultaneously increasing the quality. And we will be generating revenue within. Two months from now, okay. We already had plenty of customers signed up before we even formed the company. So, um, really interesting concept. Um, you developed it over two years ago. You formed it. I'm assuming you formed the corporation is what you meant within the last two months. Mm-hmm. Um, you testing it with physicians or doctors here in the Charlotte region? Is that where you're going, or are you still? A little bit further than that. We're we're gonna pilot in the the Charlotte region okay. for now. Uh, we don't. I don't believe in time frames anymore. Business plans. You know, we just make. We basically build a network of providers who wanted to do this, mm-hmm. and we had employers who said, once it's done, we want to come in on it. So um, again, kind of sort of built a preliminary business plan based around that then raise the money. We already had the kind of the, the prototype software built, which I built, and now we're developing the MVP. And everything li- was lined up in two months, and next week we begin, begin execution. Define execution. What do you mean? So um, I'm an employer with 100, co- with a, I guess, who's your target market from an employer perspective, yeah. I should ask first? Uh, we are currently working with employers of 30 or more lives okay. uh, because we do want to have a diversified population uh, is for, for our, our providers, uh-huh. and, and that's just the number we kind of stuck to. Okay. Uh, eventually, we may get a little more creative with that and find solutions for individuals or smaller employers. Um, 
but by I mean an executable, you know, uh, basically we've built the software, we've already have our provider network, uh, we have all of our marketing and everything ready to go. And as of next week, employers will be able to look at the product and will be able to sign an agreement whenever they're ready. Okay. What is, um, so concept developed two years ago, you spin it up um, a couple months ago, it goes live in September of 2018. Um, where is it five years from now? Um, I, I think this is this is gonna be the, the, the next big thing in healthcare. I think we're a little bit early, which is actually where you wanna be for mm-hmm. something like this. And we're either going to have to grow very quickly and consume a certain size of the market or get consumed. Uh, both are very good things, uh, you know, as far as a, a founder is concerned. Um, but honestly, uh, because integrity is a big part of it, and, we, you know, I hope that we are the ones consuming everybody else and, and, and offering this to employers on a larger scale. Uh, but, yeah, so far it is scaling very quick, okay. and so I, I hope within 12 months we're on a national platform. You know what that means in five years, I don't know. Okay. Um, what does it mean from a um, What does that mean from a fundraising perspective? Right, you've already gone out, you've got some early investing into the concept. What does it mean on the back end? Um, if you've got to scale really quickly, obviously that means you've got to raise A, B, C, D. You've got to You've got to make the um, the, the rounds pretty quickly. Um, yes, and, and you and I have talked about this in the past, that fundraising, in my opinion, is is in perpetuity. It never stops. You're yeah. always doing it. Even when you don't need the money, you're doing it um, for so many different reasons. But um, What are they? Talk about it for a second, okay. right? Yeah. yeah, so one is to help refine your product through feedback. Another one is to practice and work on your messaging. And... Um, you know, public speaking, presentation skills. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, you never know, you know, when and how quickly you're going to need that money. Yeah. Some, you know, s- some some due diligence periods can be 30 to 90 days. Others can be 12 months. Yeah. So um, for us to go into new markets, uh, we have certain fixed costs, and we have costs that we need to go into new markets, especially quicker. Um we have ways of casting large nets and testing markets before we go into them, mm-hmm. adding to our value proposition for investors. Uh, but as far as how much to raise when, we don't know until we start casting that net and we see how many markets we would need to go into in six months, 12 yeah. months, and so forth. Is um, some of that going into a market, does some of that go all the way back to your experience, open up practices? Um, uh, uh, um with your first venture, is that kind of where you learned um, how to go in and cast that wide net? Yes. Yeah, so as we talked, I used to set up sleep clinics and yeah. sleep labs. Um, you know, I built my own me- medical record system, mm-hmm. my own telemedicine product so that I could manage multiple locations across the state. Yeah. And I, what I didn't tell you is that I built all my sleep labs inside hotels. Okay. So I didn't have to put up the res- – it was a very expensive week-to-week lease, but yeah. it was exactly that, a week-to-week lease. Yeah. So – I could always go into a market and pull out very easily. I didn't have to put up the money for the facility or anything like that. Okay. Uh, likewise, I, I mean, also a very high-end type facility in that. But but that's how I learned to be able to, because I didn't have a lot of money coming out of school. You know, to build this, I had to be creative, and yeah. it forced me to think. Okay, 
how can I do this with very little upfront overhead? And there is gonna be a lot of overhead in that lease and, 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 and so forth. So I have to make sure, how do I make sure I have sales quickly and I can get cash flow positive quickly? So it forced me to think that way. Yeah. So you're going to launch next week the podcast. This podcast won't uh, won't go live until sometime in mid to late September. The name of the company that launches next week is? Beacon Healthcare Benefits. Beacon Healthcare Benefits. And I assume um, it's going to be beaconhealthcarebenefits.com? Yes. Okay. So... Um, and you are open to talking to physicians willing to hop onto the network as well as businesses as long as they have 30-plus employees who want to offer it. Exactly. And for the physicians, we work with primary care dentists, uh, specialists. It's completely free for physicians to participate as long as they agree to our transparency uh, Price. standards. Is that yeah. pricing? Is that essentially what it is? Yeah. There, there's just certain uh, pricing and service transparency um, requirements and we will market them for free in this platform okay um, so which is the big thing that you're pushing is transparency to the consumer as they're looking to medical professionals yes the transparency of the consumer but also the choice and that's why we don't charge the physicians anything because we want to have as much choice as possible for okay. them um, how do you monetize that then you're making it um, you're making it through the employer piece right yes it's a SaaS product for the employer. Okay. It's very easy to use and it's significant. I mean, the the per member per month cost to our software is a tiny, tiny fraction of the cost of going through a third party. Okay. Um, that's fantastic. So um, is the talent here in Charlotte to help you grow it? Uh, absolutely. It is? Yeah. One of my business partners, David Contorno, is a nationally renowned benefits broker, much like me. He kind of bucked the traditional system, yeah. and um, so he is helping us, you know, launch this from the employer, employee end. Okay, so then you've got um, a natural kind of microphone out there from the benefits side, helping you promote it. Has lots of contacts and provides the potential for you to scale and grow pretty quick from that perspective. A absolutely. That's another thing I've learned over the years is the importance of having a good team. And so, again, our technical end uh, is 27 Software, which is also founded out of Charlotte. Mm -hmm. But they uh, have all these software automation tools or coding automation tools and build just phenomenal products very quick and agile. And so that's been um, an invaluable you know, partnership with them. 27 Software is, um, <laughs> I don't know if I heard of it before today. Um, the person I had breakfast with this morning mentioned it. I saw their brochure on a, um, on a table outside here in Packard Place, and now you throw down their name again in our podcast. So they're making waves in my world pretty quickly. So is that the company you went through VentureProz with? Uh, yeah, actually it is. Okay. So um, fantastic. So we're... Um, so you're launching a business in September. You're starting a newfound conference in September. Um, and you've got a couple other things going on in addition to the fact that your kids just went back to school. Um, what does being this mean to you in front of your kids, right? It's funny because my kids ask me about my businesses all the time. And they... Um, they know I don't have a salary. Okay. Uh, they know I reinvest most of my revenue back into the companies. Yeah. And they understand 
that I'm doing it to grow it, you know, even bigger. And they, they love it. I mean, they talk to me all the time about what I'm doing, uh, even at nine and eight years old. Yeah. And they ask me if they can come work for me when they're old enough. Yeah. And, of course, I would love that. Yeah. I'd love them to eventually take over and yeah. eventually build their own things. Um, so, again, that's, that's part of why having children has changed my perspective on life because it's I want to create things that are meaningful uh-huh. in front of them, but also things that are, are going to help groom and teach them, you know, how the world works. So awesome. So, well, I've, um, I've had fun today. Um, enjoy getting to know more about you, um, uh, your business ventures, your background, exploring some different concepts that we didn't necessarily t- talk about a couple weeks ago on our phone call um, and sharing them with the audience. Um, certainly would love to have you back sometime in the not too distant future. Um, maybe next year, talk about the success of the conference, the growing success of the um, healthcare um, space within Charlotte, and then probably more importantly, the, um, the growing success of your continued business ventures. So thanks for carving out some time with us today, Eric, and um, best of luck on all fronts. Okay. Thank you, Stephen.